Welcome to this week's episode of Soccer Neophytes Podcast. Is Norwich staying up? The title race tightens up. So does the race for number four. Everton is melting down. And Tottenham is who we thought they were. Chris, Tim, what's up, guys? Hey, hey. What up, mate? Tim, how goes it? Oh, it goes. It goes. It goes. It was a good week for our three clubs doing what they needed to do to stay in their respective races. It was. My club's actually staying with like a club again. It's kind of fun. Maybe. (laughs) I mean, last minute winners. I mean, you got to love it, but. I mean, it was West Ham, so... Yeah, it was a good match. West Ham was sitting in fourth going into that match, so... So what we talked about last week, you weren't here, and we'll talk about it again this week, which maybe is a little bit going to sound like a uh, a broken record, but these teams battling against each other for that fourth spot, the three if you can take three points off the competitors around you, it's going to be... That's going to be the race coming here out, here on out, so it should be fun. But let's first talk about City. City draws and Liverpool wins. Chelsea also wins, but Chelsea is pretty far out of it. Tim, uh, last week you talked about a glimmer of hope. I was kind Still. of, I was kind of laughing at you, but it does. It, I even I see that glimmer now. <laughs> well, I think like I saw the games in hand and hadn't really thought about like well, what will it actually take to gain ground and like. This was the first time City dropped points since, since October. Yeah. So, like, it's, yeah, it's it's not something that happens all the time. So, I mean, it's still super unlikely, I think, that City lose it. I think, I think they've got it, barring a pretty big collapse. But, um, but it's exciting, right? We'd rather, we'd rather there be a smaller gap between one and two than a big one, no matter who's up there. So. For sure. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Um, but I think, I mean, this race for number four, we spent a lot of time talking about it last week, but it, it got really more interesting this weekend, Mm -hmm. I think with, with, uh, Manchester United beating West Ham with Tottenham losing Arsenal drawing Wolves won, uh, Lester grew as well. Lester's, I think we kind of said is, is pretty far out of it. Um, and it's going to have a really tough time getting into it, but, um, it's the, that race for number four, there's four points separating play number four through eight. So I think it's going to be very, it's going to be a fun little race. It is. And that team sitting in fourth right now is uh, starting to look pretty good. <laughs> yeah, they, they have some games in hand. So, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen, but uh, yeah, I mean, United's got so much talent that, especially with them in that spot right now, they've got to be feeling pretty good about themselves. Um, Wolves at eight are on the outside looking in. And I think Chris, as you always say, who you play matters and February is going to be interesting. We've got a couple week break for inter- There's an international break. Then there's an FA cup break. Um, so there'll be matches played, but none that matter for the premier league ty- uh, race, but wolves, in February, play Arsenal, Tottenham, Leicester, and West Ham. And, you know, like we mentioned last week, 
Tim and I, you've got to beat those teams, right? So if they really are a genuine contender for four, which I think they're probably, I don't know, they're probably about as unlikely to reach four as maybe Liverpool is to catching city feels bad. I feel bad saying that because certainly the quality of squad is different, but some of the, like the, it's not just, it's not a big gap Four points with a game in hand isn't a huge gap, but it's more just the amount of quality teams between them and four that's yeah. going to be tough. But if they're going to have a chance, they have to win a couple of those matches. They got to beat the teams that they're competing against. So so it'll be critical. And United has the opposite situation in February. Yeah, I was just going to say. United has Burnley, Southampton, Leeds, and Watford. Yikes. Yeah, I was going to say, the bigger hindrance to Wolves not getting to four is more the United schedule than it is, you know, the Wolves schedule. But, I mean, Wolves have a murderer's row in February, whereas if United falls out of fourth, they're not going to get back to fourth. Yeah, because this great, is their chance. This is the chance to solidify. Their and the, re, the reality is, and this is where you can't trust ESPN, but I saw I saw an article today on ESPN that's like, the table as it stands is useless with, with so many teams with game in hands. Why have a table like that? You they should clearly have, didn't listen to last week's podcast. I mean, we did. broke it down. <laughs> I know, but they actually did. They broke it down the same way you did, Tim. And they it. said they said the table should be based on points per match played. Okay. <laughs> Which is exactly what you said. But what I think that's what, how I was trying to ascertain what the order should be. But yeah, okay. Yeah. But I think for them, like what I what I totally disagreed with that article is. It like you will in the end play every team twice. Yeah. So that logic breaks down really quickly, right? And so, so it's true. Like what will dis- what this will discern? February will discern for Wolves and United particularly is do Wolves really have a chance? Because for them to have a chance, they've got to beat the teams they're competing with. And then for United, for United to really have a chance at fourth, they've got to beat these weak teams because we're going to end up having the schedules reverse later on in the season, right? Where Wolves are going to get to play some of these weaker teams. United's going to have to play harder teams. Spurs have got to make up all their games. So in the end, the table works, right? Who The table doesn't lie in the end. But for now, you're learning little things and discerning little things about the teams and they're setting themselves up for you know potentially for united when they have to play a tougher schedule and wolves just trying to compete with the teams around them yeah and that tougher schedule starts right after that week schedule because their march schedule united plays city spurs and liverpool back to back to back so yeah that's right so yeah you got to pick up the points when you can and and when you're competing with so many different teams for one spot you got to get victories like draws won't it's, it's the same, like the relegation zone, right? Like it's really hard to draw yourself into or out of the relegation zone. You got to get wins. Well, and wolves, wolves aren't, I mean, yeah, of course you're four points off of, of champions league. You're like, your sights are on that, but wolves aren't, I mean, if wolves get seventh and get Europa, that's like, that's a massive win for them this season. Remember, I don't think anybody, I don't think any, 
Seventh doesn't get Europa anymore. Seventh, no, seventh. it's conference cup or whatever. So sixth, if yeah. if if, if oh. Wolves get six and make Europa, I don't think anybody would have really expected that. So Champions no. League would be incredible for them. Oh, I mean, yeah, I think it's not. I don't think it's it's not illogical for Wolves fans to have their sights set on four. Just being so close. Sure, of course, it's, yeah. It's it's for sure a bit of a stretch, but certainly, dude, any European place, even seventh, which mm-hmm. I think we'd prefer not to play in, just it's a lot of added fixtures for a competition yeah. that doesn't really have a lot of clout. But, yeah. but certainly, no. I think Wolves finishing in the top half is is a success for, for a lot mm-hmm. of us, based on how we viewed the season going in. Um, but... But any European place, of course, yeah, yeah. But while I can talk about fourth, of course, yeah, absolutely, I will. I will. Heck yeah! But more surprising, I would argue, is the fact that Norwich is out of the relegation zone. You, the stars and the stripes, <laughs> America making Norwich great again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, that was too far. <laughs> Chris, did I you think you for Oh yeah. Did you think that Norwich would ever get out of that zone, Chris? Um so I think I I picked them to be my Wolves award winner as in the best of the promoted teams. I think I had picked them. So I before the season, yes. I'm fact checking right now, but keep if, going. If you had asked me three weeks ago, the <laughs> answer probably was no, because they were just looking so pathetic down there in last place, scoring like a goal every other game and losing every game. And and now all of a sudden they've got two wins in a row. And um they're in 17th. I mean, there are games in hand to be looked at for sure from teams below them so um but they're not there right now and it's easier to lose games than it is to win and you did in fact pick norwich to be your your wolves award winner so kudos yeah i mean i don't know if that's gonna actually happen but i guess with brentford's recent run it's possible they're not far they're not but probably more impressive uh, with that Norwich win was uh, our very own Josh Sargent. Our yeah, very that own first goal was so sick, dude. That first goal was. That's one of those goals that I'm like, I know it's probably eighty percent skill. Maybe it's more. Maybe I'm like really underselling him. But it looks a little bit like luck too. Like there's oh, yeah. got to be an aspect of luck. I would go higher. I, I, the skill is definitely there to be able to get your foot in that position, to be able to even get it on the ball is an incredible skill in and of itself. The dexterity, the flexibility that required to, to just touch that ball. Was yeah. amazing. But it sure as hell seems like a very <laughs> high luck factor for it to go off your foot towards the goal and evade the goalie as it just softly floats over and in and hits the bar and drops just over the line. You've got to go with a higher skill or luck level 
Yeah. Not that the skill isn't there, but man, that was pretty damn lucky, but it made it pretty damn amazing at the same time. What it what it is is a high instinct level. Cause I think that's like mm. it's for sure skill, it's for sure physical fitness, it's for sure luck, but it's also instinct to like to do that when the ball was going there. Like yeah. I don't think any of the three of us would have thought necessarily like if the ball's behind us, that has nothing to do with us at that point, right? Like there's nothing we can do about it. But uh anyway, yeah, it was it was incredible to see. Whatever the equation was, it was so much fun. <laughs> yes. to see. I would love, I would love we should we should shoot a video for our unused Instagram page of us attempting that. <laughs> Like, oh, I, don't yes. even, I, I don't even think I could get my, I think my hip would break off. And let's use a beach ball <laughs> just, just to give us a better chance of making contact. And we'll just draw a line on the ground. And if you can get it over the line, <laughs> you succeed. Yeah, but very yeah. impressive. He got a brace in that game. So that was his first goal. He, he bagged another one later on. Also a good goal, but um, good to see him break out. Also, and we're not a USMNT podcast, although we are fans, but also on the day he did not get named to the squad for oh, this upcoming uh, round of fixtures. So um, yeah, good day to, good day to kind of, show off is that kind of more of a shake your head at maybe the possible depth that the usmt has at, at that forward position or is it more he just wasn't playing all that great leading up and he just had a good day on a day he didn't get named i have no i think idea. it's both of those because i'm sure they made the decision before that game they didn't wait sure. till after after the day's games to, to make the decision <laughs> yeah i think so, that, i mean he had scored zero he's a striker who's played a lot and has scored zero goals. And I think there are other exciting players at that position. For sure. Yeah. And I th- I'm pretty sure the squads were named before the game. So it could have been possible okay. some motivation for him even coming out, yeah. coming out there, but it works out for Norwich though. They'll get him rested for their, for their European run. <laughs> they got to run pretty far for Europe. <laughs> they're gonna have to go on the city bus to get to, to all all the wind is at their back now i think well i think actually they probably need to get relegated and then play cardiff so they can go to wales <laughs> that's the closest they're gonna get to uh to playing in any european football yikes there was a an extremely extremely uh insane midweek game that wasn't even a part of this match week, but it's worth mentioning for two reasons. One, uh, because Kane bagged Harry Kane bagged his 250th goal, uh, very impressive number. I mean, just a re- remarkable number, obviously, um, for any, anyone, but he got his 250th, but the goals that overshadowed that were Bergwine's two goals and basically the final two minutes of the match super sub comes on Lester looks like they're gonna take the three points and then Bergwine scores uh in like the 95th minute to to equalize and secure the point and you think that's it and then he breaks away again uh, in the 97th minute, essentially the last second, I think they blew the whistle right after kickoff to score the game winner. Really remarkable. Um, especially because Bergwine has been someone that 
there's been some speculation that Spurs are going to sell or maybe loan out. Um, so pretty, pretty interesting, uh, an amazing match. I don't, if you guys watched it, I was home still kind of protecting my, my work team from potential COVID. So I was home and put the game on while I was writing some emails and, uh, it was a very exciting match to watch. I did want to give uh, each of us a little chance to talk about our games. So, uh, Chris, you had an exciting uh, last-minute winner. Chris, why don't you give us a little a little United chat? Yeah, uh, it was so Saturday morning. Um, was an eventful morning for me because we were running our little league tryouts and I was in charge of running those little league tryouts as that game is going on. So I'm standing at the pitching machine, supposed to be watching kids and evaluating them. And I have my phone on in the baseball bucket (laughs) 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 when I'm watching the game and not paying any attention to the kids as I just drop balls into the pitching machine. Good job, Timmy. Good job. Um, so I, I saw most of the match. I missed maybe some of the finer intricate details of it. Um, but my, my biggest takeaways, especially I saw the entire first half before I left for, for, uh, the, the skills eval, but, um, they're starting to play like a team with a plan, which is kind of awesome for, for me. Um, because the thing under Ole, the only thing I could ever complain about was the X's and O's of the game. And even Ole admitted that's not his strong suit or what he was, you know, trying to do. He's a player manager. So it's fun to see them have a system and actually trying to implement it. And it, it's going to take time. It's going to take more time than it, than it has already, but they're starting to look more like a team. They're more cohesive. They're not just free running down the sides and then hoping that a blind cross into the middle to Ronaldo or Cavani just goes in. So they're attacking in the seams they're attacking down the middle now. Um, and I think at the same time, Ralph is starting to get a better feel for the guys. Um, it is pretty interesting. The lineups he's kind of running out there because he doesn't care what your pedigree is or who you are or what your contract is. Like he's playing Diego Delo over Aaron Wambasaka at right back. And he just says, I don't care if Aaron's a great defender. He gives me nothing on offense and I need to be able to attack from that position. So, um, you know, some of the guys can't just be like, this is what I've always done. He benched Harry Maguire for like four straight games. And I think the only reason Harry came back was because Lindelof had missed his last game uh, due to a, a home invasion earlier in the week. So pretty interesting to see Ralph kind of getting in trouble. But I think the biggest thing he's done from the, um, you know, when he kind of came in and he just said, we're going 4 2 2 2, is he, he's still kind of running a system similar to that, but he's given Bruno a lot of freedom. And we've seen a different Bruno these last two games than what we saw earlier. He, he's letting Bruno kind of run around. So you'll see Bruno up front in, in the striker position. He'll drop all the way back to a defensive position, um, giving him a lot of room. And it seems like the guys know when to fill in and space it properly. So it's kind of becoming a lot more fun. But this Bruno, these last two matches with a different Bruno we saw the previous couple months. So it's fun to see him back and, and affecting games in a positive way for the team. Uh, at the end of the day, Rashi scores 93rd minute. He actually is the high. What was it? He now has 
the most goals to win a game in penalty time or in injury time in Premier League history. And he's 22, 23 years old or whatever. Yeah, he's, that's his fourth game winner in injury time. And it's a Premier League record now. So That's crazy. Uh, yeah, pretty cool to see that. It's always great to get the win, get the three points. They needed it. It's against a good opponent, so it was a great outcome. Uh, so overall, it was a great week to be a United fan. Rashford's one of those guys, like a, a team that that I'm contractually obliged to hate. Rashford is one of those guys that I just have to root for. You know what I mean? Like yeah. for what he does off the field, what what he can give us on the field when he's right. Like he's one of those guys you always root for. Even I mean, maybe I, I wouldn't root for him against Liverpool, but right. every every other time, just I want to see him in his element. Yeah, we've talked about it before on the pod. He's just such a great man off the field yeah, that it's hard to root against him no matter what jersey he's wearing. And he kind of does this, you know, at least from my time of being a fan, he'll go dry and he'll go cold yeah. for a while and then he'll score 10 goals in 11 games. So yeah. he's got two in his last two now and he's not even really, he's playing 20 minutes a game right now. So we'll kind of see how that kind of propels him forward. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I think we've acknowledged that in the past. He's he is a likable guy. So, yeah. Tim, how about you? Yeah. I mean, from Liverpool. Yeah. It was just like a totally uncontroversial game. So I just like, I really appreciated that. There was no controversy or drama at all. No, seriously. I mean, the first, I would say like probably about 40 minutes of the game was probably the best 40 minutes of football I've seen this year, this season from any squad. Like, Liverpool were ferocious, clinical. There was so much flair in the passing. Like, I, that's just been missing in a while. And I wouldn't have expected it when Salah and Mane are gone, right? Not that they're always the guys with the, like, the flair, flary passes, but they're generally on the receiving end of them, and it's their runs that that make them pay off. Um, but – up two go two goals to nil, and it really did feel like this was going to be like a seven nil game, right? I watched the beginning and, of that, and, and then really yeah, it was just it was insane. It was I haven't seen this from Liverpool in a while against any opponent, and Palace is not a bad team. They've they beat City earlier in this season, I think, and so um, anyway. So but but credit to Palace, they came back, they played really well they probably deserved a point at the end of the day with how well they played the end of the first half and then throughout the second half. Um, Allison man of the match easily. He made so many incredible saves like, and it didn't even really seem to be defensive blunders, maybe, maybe a little bit, but it didn't even really seem to be defensive blunders. It was just palace got through. They have attacking players, even with their players in AFCON, they, they didn't seem to be missing them. I'm sure they were missing them, but, they had great attacking players and they were just breaking through and Allison would just get a hand on it. Some of them at really short range. So um, yeah, then there's the VAR controversy, obviously. Like, I think like, I, I want to say objectively as objective as I can be, like those were a couple of calls that could have gone either way, but like, I can totally understand the palace fans being incensed, you know, like the one that wasn't called where Firmino was offside he went up for a header on a cross didn't touch the ball 
And so I was like, oh, it's fine. He he looked offside. He didn't touch the ball, but he definitely interfered with the play, right? Like drew the defender think, off. Yeah, I think that's Oxley the Chamberlain. Yeah, I think that's the problem so, with that one, right? Is like, yeah, it's like if he, it's so hard, but by the rule of the game, if you interfere with the play, it should yeah. count. And so yep. I think on that one, particularly, he clearly draws. He that, influenced. That, he influences that defender. the movement of the defenders. Yeah. So so. So that one's tricky. And then, yeah, I mean, Jada sliding into the goalkeeper is, I mean, (laughs) what's crazy about it to me is they watched it 17 times apparently, and it took almost three minutes. Yeah. And they ruled the way they ruled. And it's just kind of like, I don't know what, like, I don't know what to say about that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it seems like I can understand the arguments of like, okay, the ball is already getting away. Jata's over here and he, and he takes a step towards the keeper so that they like, very, he very expertly collides. <laughs> totally. Um, Gives a little, but it's also like probably according to the letter of the law, if the keeper makes that contact with an attacking player by the letter of the law, that probably is a foul. If that happens anywhere on the field. Right. That's, so. that's the complicated part, right. Is where it seems, it seems like there is, it does seem like referees call, fouls differently in the box than they yeah. do in other places of the pitch because i agree with you if if two if a defensive player collides with an offensive player like that even if the ball's not there yeah it's probably a foul but they if don't there's contact yeah, but they don't the typically uh they don't typically call it right, right. Like if it's in the box so i think that's well and that's and that is the thing right like I was thinking about this a lot, like after it and even hearing different people's takes on it and stuff. And like, it seems to me that with VAR, one of the probably unintended consequences of VAR, I'm curious what you guys think if if this checks out in your experience, but it seems like on iffy calls like that, the official is far less likely to make the call because he knows doing so would be really consequential, right? And he knows that he's got far to back him up. Right. Yeah. So rather than, rather than giving a penalty automatically to me, it feels like it's led to conservative officiating uh-huh. because they know VAR, VAR can take a look at it. And if they want to overrule it, we can make that decision with slow-mo and stuff. So I feel like VAR has changed the way officiating gets done in real time in a more conservative direction. But it's and also, so that's what's that's what's perplexing to me then that they watched it that many times and gave it. You know what I mean? Because if I if the tables were turned, I'd be like, that's totally not a foul on Allison. Allison was totally under control. The striker swerved into him. Do you know what I mean? Totally. So so I try to be principled on that stuff and like, all right, if the tables were turned, how would I feel? And um, it's a it's a really it's a crappy one, right? Like, um. It's crappy that it comes down to VAR. It's crappy that VAR is still this flawed. Like, it seems like every, I mean, all of these calls are judgment calls, right? For sure. And VAR is still a judgment call. Even on offside calls where they draw the line is totally a human judgment call. When what two is- players collide with each other, it's a judgment call. So I do like, I do like the idea of what NFL does where they have like the, the, system with like one central location making the calls 
it seems like it would create more consistency if you had like a centralized like VAR specialist mm. or specialists who are watching all the games and are mm. and are working together to make decisions. But the way it is now, you're like subject to whoever that guy, whatever that guy's interpretation of the law is, which and and what the feel of the game is. I was that was I was listening which, to a podcast and they were talking about like they're like they're saying like officials with VAR, they're just vibing it. Like they're like, totally. what's the vibe of the game and how does this and does this like throw a wrench into the game that's totally. exciting or does this like keep the storyline going? Like. I mean, I'm I'm still skeptical of like conspiracy theories rather than just saying there's human error involved. Of course. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it's like it it's really tricky. And with baseball, to your point, right, like with with instant replay, it's in New York. They're not watching every game. They're not vibing on every game. Yeah, <laughs> they're dropping in to look at one particular thing. Yeah. Um, theoretically, more objectively. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so. It's weird because I like how the NFL is kind of how their replay system has changed officiating. Like I'd rather the NFL officials let the play happen and then let's correct it if it's wrong. Right. Like, especially because of the way they set it up where all scoring plays, all turnovers are automatically reviewed. So let them happen and then look at them and make sure it's right. And they've progressed over the years to make it faster, quicker, better. You know, now they have the eye in the sky judge who can, immediately make be like no we blew this here's where it's at so it it's weird because i like the nfl system i like how it's changed nfl officiating i don't know if i love how it's changed you know premier league officiating like what you're talking about tim i do yeah i i like it from the offside standpoint and let the play run because if we're off because of an inch no let the play run let the goal happen and then let's make sure we got it right i think yeah. on a play like that like I was watching, I didn't see it, but I was watching the highlights of that Liverpool. And I saw, you know, that, that play and Jota slide into the keeper and I kind of turned away. And the next thing I know, they're kicking a pellet. I was like, what kind of horseshit call was that? <laughs> like, that was total garbage. Yeah. And I had to rewind it and go and be like, no way. They gave him a penalty on that. Like that was, that, that was terrible. And I'm, I'm not saying that because it's Liverpool. I just think that yeah. that poor officiating if Jota would have been able to get to that ball I could understand it he had no chance of tracking that ball down once it hit off his foot it was going out of bounds yeah and I guess that that is kind of where the rub is right of what we're talking about um for VAR to look at it for four minutes and then be like hey official come over and take a look at it he looks at it for you know however long he did and then be like oh okay yeah penalty. it's like yeah oh, come on yeah, that, that actually, and we'll switch to the Wolves match real quick, but in the Wolves match, I wasn't going to talk about it, but it's a good segue. Um, Tati, our new, our new left back, got called for a red on a tackle, like straight red, um, and they reviewed it. And it, I mean, it was clearly a yellow. Like, I mean, everyone, it was super, it was obvious. His feet were, aren't, weren't off the ground. Like it was a dangerous tap or it was a like yellow, like he should have gotten booked, but no way was it a red. So they reversed it and made it a red or it made it a yellow. But what was fascinating is Brentford was on the break and he, he should have let the play keep going. And he actually Mm. really interfered with the, the, the match by 
blowing the whistle and giving a red and not allowing play to continue. So I do think there's still some of that that's happening where the, there are, I think, and this is where I think it really depends on the official, Tim. I do think there's some who are being conservative, but some who are being aggressive and yeah. just allowing VAR to correct them. And that's what happened in this case. Ironically, Brentford then scored off that free kick, <laughs> but uh, but I think like in the run of play, Brentford fans were not happy about it. Right. Yeah. You know? It worked out for them. It worked out for them. It, but, yeah. but, but you don't want that. No. But don't you don't wouldn't you guys say that in general you would see it playing out more in the conservative direction than the like ex, than the than the aggressive direction with officiating? I like, think you're just letting them play more, which I really appreciate. And that so, I think is part of is part of the conservative yeah, thing. Conservative, like, yeah. We're gonna be very careful about decisive um decisive rulings on the field that could have a big impact on on play because yeah. that's that's the other thing is like and that was the other part of the controversy with Jota and the goalkeeper was it's supposed to be clear and obvious error yeah and 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 if his if his initial ruling was that it was that it was fine and then and then they look at it and come back and say, oh, no, that was a clear and obvious error. That's I think that's where it's like it gets even worse. Right. So totally. It seems to me. And I mean, and maybe that's, you know, it's anecdotal, right? It's anecdotal and it's subjective on my part to say it seems to me that with VAR, just the psychology of VAR, if you're an official, it makes sense that you're like benefit of the doubt to the flow of play. Yeah. Unless it's egregious. Yeah. Unless I know it's egregious and I have no doubt. Um, but then of course, yeah, you'd have guys who would, who would, you know, be exceptions to that rule. Yeah. Wolves got a good two, one victory over Brentford, a revenge match, which is turning into a really kind of random rivalry (laughs) in my eyes, kind of how I feel about Watford a little bit, like certain matches stick out in my mind and the ways players and, and managers respond and, teams that you once kind of maybe were fond of you're like wait no not anymore you can't treat my team like that and so Brentford is becoming that team a little bit which is kind of funny because I really have nothing against them but uh revenge match Brentford came to Molyneux beat us uh 2-0 pretty handily um Wolves get get the win um it was a bizarre game with tons of delays. I didn't think I was going to see any of the game because I had flag football in the morning. I had flag football for the boys and then gymnastics immediately after, but there was like about 30 minutes of delay in the game. So I actually caught most of the second half, but uh, there's a really scary injury. Uh, Henry and Jensen collided. Uh, both were subbed off. <laughs> Brentford had to use both of their concussion subs, their bloody faces. It was very scary. I mean, you could see it coming. They couldn't see it coming, but there's this high arcing ball into the, into their half and they just ran into each other. I mean, they're both eyes on the ball is pretty scary. Then this drone flew over the stadium in like the 33rd (laughs) minute. Um, I was actually watching the score while helping coach the football game. And I couldn't figure out why wolves still said 33 minutes for so long. And the rest of the matches were at halftime. It was so bizarre. I couldn't figure it out. Then saw this drone thing that made force the players off the pitch. Um, and they restarted. It was nil nil at halftime. And then in the second half, um, 
just beautiful goals by Matinho and um, Neves. Great build-up play, lots of passes. It's one of those. It's one of those like it was two goals that were reminiscent of like a Liverpool, like passing it back, passing it around, passing it forward, extra passes, like just beautiful run-up of play that led to just two amazing strikes. And that is not Wolves. Wolves are have under Nuno. They were counterattacking, scrapping out a goal on a set piece, maybe. Um, or Traore bursting down the sides, getting a crossover to Raul. That's kind of what Wolves are knows, known for. And I think what I take the most out of this match is it really feels like Bruno Ball. <laughs> what he's been trying to implement is finally coming together. We were able to endure with excellent defense the first half of the season and, and get goals when we could. And now it feels like, oh, is this is this really what we can expect from Bruno? And so that's really exciting. Um, Wolves, so Wolves went up 1-0. Then there was that penalty, the aforementioned penalty where they scored on the on the kick. Um uh a great goal by Ivan Tony um on the volley made it 1-1. Then Neves scored the second one to go up 2-1. And then the shithousery ensued. In the first match, Brentford was used the most insane stalling time delay tactics I've ever seen. They had a keeper change his gloves at one point, and it took him forever to take them off and then get the new ones out there to him. They were falling on the ground, rolling around. They were switching corner kicks, you know, corner kick takers multiple times. I mean, it was insane. And even after the match, Wolves fans were like, we need to play more like this. Like we need, we never do this. We're too nice of a team, whatever. So uh, pretty funny. So now Wolves got to do it back and they did. It was ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't like it. Typically. I think it's like, so dumb, like just play the game. Like, don't pull that stuff, but Jose saw got a yellow card for time wasting. Then I thought I really, I thought he was going to get another one. <laughs> it, like immediately after the yellow, he took a ton of time again, just ridiculous. Uh, Matinho's antics, switching, like falling on the ground, switching corner takers, all the stuff, all the normal stuff. Right. But Thomas Franks was incensed, which is ridiculous. Cause he did the exact same stuff about, uh, uh, with us. And, uh, and at the end of the match, he was just beside himself. He lost his mind. He ran over, um, was kind of getting in wolves players faces and, uh, he ended up getting a yellow card and then supposedly turned around and said, if you gave me a yellow card, you might as well give me a red. And so sure enough, uh, the second yellow came out and he was given a red card. So, uh, that was it. Um, really, really crazy game match that felt like it had it all. Glad Wolves came away with the three points. Big three points for you guys. Big three points for us. Um, since we were just talking about red cards, we can talk about the other red card of, of the match week. That was Emmanuel Dennis. He also got two yellows for Watford. Um, I had him starting in my fantasy team. So I was very disappointed in that. (laughs) That led to negative points. And he misses the next match, which counts in this uh, fantasy match week. But, oh, well. Goal of the week, guys. Um, 
We've already talked about Sargent's first goal. It was uh, very impressive. There were some other really great goals, though, over the weekend. Dude, yeah. Zayek's goal. Oh, oh, boy. oh man. I mean, it's pain- isn't it painful to, like, recognize Chelsea as- when it's not Pulisic? It's, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> that goal was just dirty. It was so good. To I've be got- where he was with all that far out, with all of those defenders between him and the goal to just lean back and, and like he basically launched it into the night sky, knowing full well that it would dip and curl into that little corner of the goal. It's insane. Maurice's face is so hilarious (laughs) when he watches it go in. He's like, no way is that going in. Yeah. and, And, and he also smiled after it. Did you see that? Like, yeah. Ziek is always pissed off about everything. And when he's he scored a goal last week and he was angry the whole time. Yeah. And this time he actually smiled. So that's nice to see. There was another one. Uh the the goal that Liverpool gave up in the Crystal Palace match. That Crystal Palace goal was really nice. I mean, yeah. kind of an easy tap in, but the lead up and the teamwork for it was was awesome because that through ball to yeah. the uh, to to him was just an insane through ball and then for him to get it over for the easy goal that that goal was awesome too and we've said that before right when when like thinking about goals of the week like who you do it against like you got to get points for you're not threading a weak defense when you do that right and if you make it look easy that's a lot of talent right there yeah i had one more did you guys see kyle walker peters yeah that was a great strike yeah that was awesome too well, and it makes me sad because both Matinho and Neves's goals were so good. Like they threaded the needle in these beautiful ways, but then I'm like, I can't compare them to the, these other goals. Like, I wish, <laughs> I wish they would get mentioned, but um, I think I have to give it to Zyke because if, if Sargent's was 80% skill, 20% luck, Zyke's hundred percent skill. And you gotta, you gotta give it to that. Yeah. yeah that goal was awesome. Um, we don't always mention save of the week, but I thought Allison's save, yeah. um, I don't even remember who, who made the strike, but Allison's save just full stretch. Yeah. Um, and he, I know he made a couple in that match, but there was that one that was kind of floated up in that upper left corner that he yeah. reached out and knocked it out of the way. It was just and cool. he had another at like, at, at like a foot out to, you know, like it two feet out and to have reflexes because it was like he stuck his hand out or foot out I forget but like with no no reflex time you know what I mean yeah it wasn't just right into his body where he like came out and made himself big it was like he went right where the ball was going it's incredible that's amazing it's kind of fun to see these keepers that were like traditionally really good who maybe had like a couple struggles in the past like year or so kind of come back into form like Allison and David De Gea, those guys that yeah. are traditionally best goalies in the world type guys who kind of struggled and now they just look awesome in, in net again. They look Jose Saw like Jose Saw. <laughs> the best keeper in the league. But yeah, they're they're starting to like look push push him a little bit. Uh let's go to our lock it in review. Uh I took Chelsea over Spurs I got that right. That moves me to 15 and six. Uh, Chris rode the city bus into a ditch. 
still above uh, above 500, but he's at 11 and 10. And Tim took Liverpool to move him to 14 and seven. Tim, we'll actually we'll start with you, Chris. Who are you taking? This is like two and a half weeks away. We've got some time to kill, but it's a double match week. Uh, so who do you got? Two two matches coming yeah. in, in early February. Well, I am still riding the bus halfway across the country. Um, I'm taking City over Brentford. And then um, I'm actually going to get off in Manchester. And uh, I'm taking United over South, Southampton, leaving the city bus wide open to be ridden by somebody else. Heck yeah. Who is that going to be, Tim? So I'm taking, well, in that first in the midweek match, I'm taking LFC over LCFC. I'm taking mm-hmm. Liverpool over Leicester. And then at the weekend, this, I mean, and this is a gutsy call on my part for the weekend. All of the momentum is with Norwich in this Man City Norwich game. <laughs> Norwich, I mean, Man, Man City, last, Man City has not looked this beatable since October, and Norwich has never looked better. So, but well, even so, I'm taking Man one, City in the in the last one match week. Um, City dropped points and Norwich took all three. So if you look back over the last match week, um, Norwich, Norwich is at the top of the table through one totally last one week. And let's be more precise. Josh Sargent is at the top of the table. Oh, yes, he is. All those curly. <laughs> I, I, sergeant, my sergeant. I know we're wrapping up the pod, um, but while we're on the topic of Man City, yeah. did you guys see Pep's comments after that game? I didn't. Do I get to do but, my lock it in or is this? Oh, a, yeah, a yeah, yeah. Time? Well, yeah, let me just say really quick about City. Yeah. Well, because I'm picking that because I'm hopping on the city bus for one quick, quick trip. Um, so drawing with with uh, Southampton is like a colossal disappointment for them. Yes. And I didn't watch the game. I don't know if you guys like watched the full game, but no. the the interview afterwards, they were like, hey, like, how disappointed are you? And he's like incensed. He's like, not at all disappointed. This is this was the very this was the best performance I've seen by my team by far. <laughs> and they were and the guy was like, really? Like, what about it was what about it was good? And he was like, everything. And he was just seething, like angry, but like digging down, like digging in, insisting that he was so pleased with how City played in a draw against Southampton. So that's I don't know funny. if that's just a performance, if it's like he lost a bet and he was like, <laughs> I don't know, like keep it. Let's keep an eye on Pep, though, because he might be losing it. He might be losing <laughs> it. All right, Nate, who's your well, loss? So I will say, though, while we're talking about Southampton, I picked them to get relegated and they have been playing great, actually. I don't think they've I don't think they've dro- I, they haven't dropped a point at home um, in a couple months. So they're. They're, they're putting it together a little bit. I think they're up to 11th or 12th, which is surprising. I think they're an under-the-radar team. Yeah. That City should beat 4-0. Yeah. But United <laughs> will lose to 2-1. Oh, snap. Um, I have three matches because I've got one of my, my game in hand, which is Burnley over Watford, which was supposed to take place this last week. It didn't. It got postponed again. But that takes place sometime 
in early, early February. So I've got that. I took Burnley over Watford. Then I was not left with much after you guys picked, but I am taking Wolves over Arsenal and in the midweek match. And I'm taking Brentford over Crystal Palace. My goodness. The weekend. As I said, I was not left with a lot. So those are the matches I'm taking. You were left with the opponents, though, in those two games. Then I've chose. I did not choose them for reasons. <laughs> and you didn't choose them. Okay. I'm I'm in no position to be telling you how to pick anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, we have um, multiple weeks off, which for Tim and I professionally could not have come at a better time. Tim and yep. I have a very busy two weeks. We will be. Uh, in Mexico in a couple weekends. So it's good. It's good from that regard. It's bad. And it's good timing uh, for NFL, my team, the Niners, the the Leeds United 49ers are still in it. Mm -hmm. They are in the NFC championship game, which is this weekend. So I've got plenty to watch and then plenty to do the following weekend, but there is still soccer happening. U.S. men's national team in the international break uh, play El Salvador on Thursday, Canada on Sunday, uh, which I will not be paying attention to that at all because of NFL. And then Honduras on the 2nd of February. Um, and then there's some FA cup and all of our teams are still in it. The three of our teams are still in it. United plays middle Middlesbrough on the 4th. Uh, then we have three Premier League matchups on the fifth. Wolves face Norwich. Spurs have Brighton, and Everton plays Brentford, which we didn't really talk about Everton, but they are a dumpster fire. They are falling very <laughs> fast. I think they're in 16th place. It is shambles. They had a sit-in at the end of their match. I don't know if you guys saw that, where the, the fans just stayed in the crowd and talked shit and yelled bad things about the chairman and held signs there like reminiscent of United circa 2021. Oh. <laughs> Dude, and then, this is, are you just going to take this, Chris, this, yeah. this abuse? Yeah. It doesn't bother me at all. Cause my team is better. <laughs> they are better. They are better. A lot better. And then <laughs> Liverpool plays Cardiff. Yeah, we do on the sixth. So there is, there is football happening over the next two weeks, just not Premier League. So we have a couple weeks off from recording the pod. Any last words, gentlemen? Um, no, no, just lasers out. That's all I got. Still, even though there's a plan? <laughs> that plan's not, com- plan. the plan's not coming from Glazers. <laughs> but they're presiding over the plan. <laughs> with that gentlemen good night adios Bye, guys.